0: Let's talk about Harvey. (laughs) I think that'd be the most appropriate thing that we can discuss, but before I get into it, my dad and I have had a lot of time to spend with each other because he's been uh, in our house. Uh, He's staying at our house, and we're just sitting there trading stories back and forth, and uh, he was telling me about a friend of ours um, that he preaches in prisons a lot, and the people in the prison love him. He's just kind of like a Harley Davidson, rugged, raw kind of guy. And uh, and and he calls everybody cons, like, you know, short for convicts. He's like, all, all right, you cons. I want you listening to me, you cons. And uh, at the end of his service, he said, hey, look, I really feel like somebody is going to get healed this morning. He goes, which but which of you cons in this room need to be healed? And uh, some people came down to get prayed for by him. And, and uh, one of the, the, the guys said, well, well preacher, um, uh, I'm concerned about my hearing. Concerned about my hearing. And so yeah, <laughs> he took his two fingers, the preacher took his two fingers, sucked on them, and stuck them in the guy's ears. It said, In Jesus' name, hear better. And then he backed up and he said, All right, can, can you hear any better? And the guy said, Preacher, my, my hearing isn't until next month. <laughs> Sadly, that's a true story. Those are those moments you just want to hide, you know, just want to get out of Dodge. I'm going to talk about three things today. I'm going to talk about security. I'm going to talk about hope and I'm going to talk about purpose, security, hope and purpose. Um, You know, uh, I I mentioned this earlier that this storm, this, this hurricane uh, that came to town, it has affected everybody. Um, It either... A flooded your house or it flooded your loved one's house or your friend's house. It has affected everyone. And for most people, um, they did not have lo- uh, flood insurance, or you did not have flood insurance for most people, which means it's going to set them back weeks or set you back several weeks, maybe several months. For many Houstonians, several years. It's been just a devastating, devastating flood. And um, uh, it's, it's moments like these where we have to back up and just breathe and um, sit down and, and regroup. And, and I feel like the word of God gives us three things to consider. And it's security, our security, our hope, and our purpose. There's a proverb that reads like this, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city, they imagine it a wall too high to scale. The wealth um, of the rich. Now, you may not consider yourself to be rich, but uh, I've got some places in this world I can put you on a plane and take you there. In fact, I can just walk you down the street and, uh, and show you some families that uh, don't have anything. Uh, in Guatemala, uh, they saw children with toys that are just sticks, That's, those are their toys, uh, just sticks. And so you, all of you are rich. Uh, but what the Bible says is, is that the rich imagine that their wealth is like a great wall, it's a wall. And and what it's saying is is that people have a tendency to view their income, their finances, their money, their job as a way to build a wall, a fortified wall to protect them. And, And when you have a job, Depending on how much money you make or how much money you have left over, I should say, um, a lot of problems are solved just by grabbing your wallet. When you're hungry, you solve that problem just by grabbing your wallet. You need gas, you solve that problem just by grabbing your wallet. You need a home, an apartment, uh, a house. You solve that problem just by grabbing your wallet. And so what we begin to believe is the more we have in our wallet, the more we have in our bank, the bigger the wall is around us. And at a certain point, we begin to think the more money we have, the more resources we have, the safer we are. Because a problem this big can be handled with this amount of money. A problem this big can be handled with that amount of money. And so what we try to do is we try to build a wall of security with a certain amount of money to where we can solve any problem that there is with our money. And, and what this proverb is saying is that it is that is in your imagination. It is in your imagination to believe that you can build a wall with your wealth that can protect you from any threat. It's in your imagination. And what we saw this past week is people who are millionaires had their homes flooded this week. People who are are living um, with government assistance have had their homes flooded this week. Older people have had their houses flooded. Younger people have had their homes flooded. When we went to go get my father out of his house in a boat, I saw this little boy in this other house, who's his neighbor, wearing Superman pajamas about four years old, just looking out the window, just completely confused. And his house was five feet flooded as well. And I just allowed my imagination to go. And, and I'm, I, I can just imagine that little boy hearing his father or his mom or one or the other either fighting with each other. Because when you have that level of intensity in your life, you have a tendency to just lash out. And here this little boy is looking out the window And they don't know what to do. Um, My father lives in a decent neighborhood. But it doesn't matter. No house. No wall. No one, regardless of how much money they had, was safe from this storm. If you were not flooded, you were spared. It had nothing to do with how much money you had. And here's the reality... The Bible is saying this, there is no wall that is so high that you can remain protected. Maybe it's not a flood we're talking about this morning. I can take you down to Texas Children's Hospital right now and show you thousands upon thousands of children with cancer, children, babies with cancer, I can show you wealthy people with cancer. Babies with cancer, old people with cancer. Maybe it is not a flood. Maybe it's not Hurricane Harvey. It will be something. There is no wall that can protect you from the, uh, the debris that this world is throwing in our direction. There is no wall. And so when we back up and we begin to start thinking, what are we investing our life into? We invest our life trying to build the biggest wall, the coolest wall, the, the most impressive wall, the highest wall that we possibly can. And you know what I've, I've recently learned about people who are tithers, people who give 10% of their income to the church because that's a biblical principle. What I've learned in in studying this is that the more a person makes, the less a person gives. I'll give you an example. Uh, when a person is making $10,000 a year working at Burger King, they know that $10,000 cannot make ends meet. So they have no problem giving 10% because the difference between $9,000 and $10,000 is not going to make a big of, that big of a deal. Their wall is small already. But when you start making more money, you begin to start believing that your wall is getting bigger and bigger, stronger and stronger, and you're almost there. You're almost fortified. Your savings account, your checking account is almost there. But here's the lie from the enemy. You're never there. You're always, always Almost there. And so when a person is making a lot of money, it's not $10,000 a year anymore. Now it's $100,000 a year, and $10,000 is a big bite out of their wall. And so the more a person makes, the less they give. Now a person making $100,000 a year could easily think, my 2%, my 3% is actually more than most people's 10%. Well, the walk that you have with the Lord is not a game of comparison. God does not compare you with the person that you're sitting next to. He compares you to how he has blessed you. To whom much is given, much is required. It's not a comparison game. But the wall consumes us. The wall consumes us. We want to have a car that won't break down. Not only do we want a car that won't break down, but we want a car that makes other people say, Wow. We want a house that is unfloodable. I don't know if that's a word or not, but it sounds good. It's unfloodable. We, we want a, a, a bank account that is not only going to keep us safe, but we imagine uh, this, this can hold us, this wall could hold us for, for six, I've got a six-month emergency fund. Look at my wall. And we get consumed with our wall. And it's in moments like these where we realize there is not a wall high enough. There is no wall high enough. And so the, the first point that I want to mention is security. The second point I want to mention is where our hope is. If there is not a wall that's high enough, where then do we put our hope? Uh, the definition of hope is, is, a, uh, is an expectancy for something in the future, In expectancy. If if you have no hope, you will find yourself being depressed. And I am a person who has fought depression most of my life. And so I know what that feels like. Depression still comes to my door on a regular basis. I don't want to give you the impression that it is no longer a battle that I fight, because that would not be true. It is still a battle that I fight. But I realize that when I am depressed, it is only because I don't have an expectancy, an excitement for the future. That's why the Bible says that he will give you a hope And a future. In other words, he's saying, if you don't have an expectancy, an excitement for the future, it's because you are looking at your wall and you don't like what you're seeing and your hope is low. In other words, it sounds like this I would have figured I would be further along at this point in my life, and because I'm not, I am now depressed. I look. Am I talking to anybody here? Is anyone getting anything out of this? Yeah, I look into the future and I am seeing myself at this pace. And if I stay at this pace, my future doesn't look much better than my present. And if you've ever wrestled with depression, you and I just connected. And the Lord backs up and says, you don't have hope because I'm the one who gives hope. I can make a direct correlation with my level of depression and my level of prayer. It is a direct correlation. When my prayer life is on fire, I can't even spell depression. (laughs) Which I don't know that I could spell it anyway, but. (laughs) But when, when I am too busy, Looking at my wall, I got to mow the grass. I got to take care of the kids. I got to come to work. Isn't it amazing that a preacher can work hard and forget to pray? I know what you're thinking. What's more important than praying? You're a preacher, my gosh. Let me say it back to you. What's more important than praying, you're a child of God, my gosh. I could have not put gosh in there, I'm sorry. But here's the thing, we get consumed in it. And where is our hope? You know what the Bible says about hope? Watch this. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. So that's a comparative statement. It's not saying that you won't grieve. It's just saying that you will grieve different. It's not saying that you won't be flooded. You will. The the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So it's not saying you won't grieve. It's not saying you won't cry. It's not saying you won't weep. It's not saying you won't hurt. What it's saying is, is that when you do grieve, you will grieve differently. When you do cry, you will cry differently. The difference between a child of God and someone who does not have a relationship with God is one has hope and the other doesn't. Another way of saying it, in my particular case one who fights depression, I know where I go to get my hope, which is a cultivating process of pursuing God, whereas other people get their hope here. And if you get your hope from your own strength, anything stronger than you can take it away. And so here's the thing. When people wrap up their hope in what they're doing and what they're receiving and who they know and their status, all of that can be taken away. But when your hope is tied up in something outside of this world, nothing in the world can take it. Are you with me? And so when something happens, the Bible says you will pray, you will weep and you will hurt differently because you know that this is not the end of the story you know in your heart, this is bad, this stinks, this is horrible, this just set me back. But I also know, watch this, I have hope in a God, hold on, that has pulled me out of a hell before. See, if you're older than 20 years old, This is not your first storm. And I'm not talking about Harvey anymore. If you have lived any life at all, if you got any gray hair or any wrinkles at all, then you have been saved from a horrible season before. You have Lost it all before. I know that I'm going to force many of you to be transparent, but raise your hand if you have ever lost it all. My hand is up. Raise it really high and don't put it down. Now look around the room. About 40% of this room just raised their hand. You've lost it all before. Before. We have had our heart crushed before. We have been through seasons of devastation before. I'm not talking about Harvey anymore. We have been in seasons of no hope and despair before. Am I talking to anybody here? The same God that got you out of those seasons before is still ruling the world today. And so when we weep and we cry, we weep and cry differently. Not that all of a sudden it's like, I, I'm so happy I just lost everything. My dad lost everything. He lost his cars. And you go, why didn't you evacuate? He didn't have a chance. He looked out his window and he was like, oh, the water is in my front yard. Oh, I hope I don't flood. And he goes to sleep. He wakes up at three o'clock in the morning to go pee and went. Sweep. True story. True story up to here and then by the morning it was up to here car's gone couch is gone he took his master bed and spun it it's a true story he spun it just like that when we pulled up in a boat to get him his headboard I am not lying his headboard was floating in my direction I was like are you kidding me right now and then the other thing is I said, hey, Dad, you know when you ask somebody a question you think you already know the answer to? I said, hey, Dad, did, did you uh, turn the power off on the house? He's like, no. <laughs> I literally thought, this is goodbye. This, this is how I go. Everybody wants to know how you go. This is how I go. I'm standing here with a headboard bumping into me in a garage and this is how I'm going to go. I'm going to, you know, This is how it's going to happen. Um, and and I got this arrangement with God because I'm supposed to go like this. That's how I'm supposed to go. Anybody want to go like that? I just want to be sleeping. That's. That's, that's how I'm supposed to go. And here I am. My dad's going. He goes, oh, let me turn it off right now. He walks over to his board and he's like flipping it. And I'm like. Is it that one? Is it this one? No, that's the upstairs. I'm like, turn it all off. There's a a story he used to tell me called uh, Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Bear, and Br'er Fox. Anybody know that story? Well, Br'er Bear and Br'er Fox caught Br'er Rabbit and they did not like Br'er Rabbit. They're gonna eat him. So they tied him up and they put him above a fire and they were gonna cook him. And the brer rabbit said, "You can eat me, you can burn me, you can do whatever you want. Just don't throw me in the briar patch. Whatever you do, don't throw me in the briar patch." There's a big, like you know, a big mound of like thorns called the briar patch. And so brer fox and brer bear looked at each other and said, "Well, let's throw him in the briar patch then." And so they grabbed them by the ears and they grabbed him and they threw him and they threw him in the briar patch. He landed in there and all of a sudden they're listening and Brer Rabbit starts going (laughs) he goes I was born and raised in the briar patch how many of us was born and raised in the briar patch I've been through hell backwards I know my way around here I've lost it all so many times I can't even count I know what it feels like to not have any money. I know what it feels like to be depressed. I know what, I I know what it feels like. This is not my first rodeo. Are you with me? We've lost it all before. My neighbor, his house is closer to Spring Creek than ours. And on tax day two years ago, he flooded right up to his knees. And then on, was it Memorial Day? Is that the other one, Memorial Day? He floated up to his knees. He's crying. His wife was crying. Well, I went to go see him a couple of days ago to see how everything's going. His house is five feet deep. He's leaning up a brick against a brick wall, telling jokes. "My like, bro, you just lost everything." He goes, "I've been here before." I'm not trying to say it doesn't hurt, but we weep different. Last and final point is purpose. Is your purpose in life to build the coolest wall in the neighborhood? Is this why you live? Is this, what, is this where you put all your time, energy, and effort? Is your wall? That your social status is the most important thing to you? Your house, the size, how many commas you have in your paycheck? Is this the most important thing to you? Because if it is... It just takes one storm. One. Let somebody get sick in your family. Let a storm come. What's your purpose? What is your purpose for living? Why are you on the earth? What is your number one assignment? What is the number one thing you have to do? And I'm gonna tell you, the thing that is most important to you gets most of your attention. Now you may say that something else is most important to you, but you're lying to yourself. Your attention. I'm not talking about your time, I'm talking about your attention. There's a man named Isaiah in the Bible who was standing in the presence of God in heaven and he overheard a conversation. God was not talking to him. And he heard God talking. But God knew that Isaiah could hear him talking. And so. He he's talking and let me just fill in a blank because the Bible doesn't say who he was talking to so let's just say he was talking to angels and, and there was a problem on the earth and he needed to send somebody to deliver a message and, and so he says to the angels who shall we send? and Isaiah says Me, send me, I want to go. I have reached a place in my life where the wall doesn't mean anything to me anymore. I want my purpose to be close to you. Remember what I said, it's not so much where your time goes, it's where your attention goes. And we want to live every moment of every day aware of the Holy Spirit communicating connected to the Holy Spirit in the office in the car in a meeting connected aware and then in parallel not separate we are telling people about what we have found because they are looking for their purpose too and everyone around us are sick of the wall the wall is enticing until you grow up some people grow up late but i believe that i'm in a room full of people that have reached that point where it's like, I'm not putting my hope there anymore. I've lost it all the first time, I'm not doing it again. I want my purpose, I want my hope to be grounded in you. And if I have you, I know everything else will work out. So I'll stand to our feet for me, please. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, everybody in the room. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? If the answer is no, nobody's looking around, but I promise you, everyone in heaven is watching. The answer is no. Would you just raise your hand right now and saying, my life is not ready, my heart is not ready, but I want to get ready right now. I want to get ready right now. Hands are going up all over the room. Can we all just raise both hands as a sign of surrender? And let's say these simple words out loud. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I need you in my life. Please forgive me. Draw me close to you. You are my rock of safety. In Jesus' name, amen. There's no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. But if you want to stay here and just worship one time through, sing one song through, sing the chorus, that's fine. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and deliver you. And may the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen.